Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone and welcome to Blue Murder Club. I'm Lauren, your host with... Carol, your other host. Hello. <laughs> hey babe, how you doing? I'm alright, you? Yeah? I'm good, yeah. I'm excited to do this case. Oh my God, Kaz. We picked him because we talked about him on a few other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and I just don't think we knew the... <laughs> the I know. This is, the, this is like all? the crime podcast to end all crime podcasts. It really is. You know why he's... <laughs> Up there on everyone's list, don't you? Now I get it. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. So we are talking about the one and only Ted Bundy. Oh, yes. That is the subject of our series finale. Yeah, and I'm going to put a bit of a disclaimer out there. After doing all this research, and it was a lot of research, <laughs> yeah. he tends to lie a lot. And change stories from time to time until one reporter one thing and another reporter another thing because he wants to take control control over everything and he really contradicts himself time and time again and he tries to like rewrite his history to make sense with him and how he looks mm. because that's a big thing for him so yeah he's um he had massive big ambitions for himself um and. I think we both can say he achieved it, but in the wrong way. Yeah, I'll say. So, yeah, shall I get going? Yeah, as always, you fancied... Well, I, I say as always, because you just <laughs> really like doing the deep dives on the backgrounds, do. don't you? You Like you said before, you want to have a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I need a reason. I yeah. really do. To make me go sleep easier at night, yeah. I need some sort of reason. I hope you found one, because I've oh. read loads of stuff about Ted Bundy the, this week, and... I just don't know. He's just—he's just like someone I've never ever come across no, before. He's one, one of a kind, isn't he? Did no, you find anything? Not particularly. Mm. Um, again, because of the contradictions, I'll get into them as I go along. Hopefully, mm. I might indicate that it might be true. It might not be true, mm-hmm. just because of what I found. But no, I haven't. I just think this is nature versus nurture, and he is nature through and through. I was um, just going to say that, yeah. I've got one story at three years old, I'll read it to you, and mm. at three years old, I don't think you can be nurtured 
you can, but not to the extent to make a whole person. To make that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, should we get to it? Yeah, let's get into it. So, Theodore Bundy was born on the 24th of November, 1946. He was named at birth Theodore Robert Cowell. And he was... um. Born to an Elizabeth Lund, uh, he was born in Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers in Vermont. So you can imagine at the time in 1946, it's quite naughty to have a child out of wedlock, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, he actually stayed in this mother's home for two months. Ted's yeah. mom, mother, Eloise, uh, Eleanor Louise Cowell, said she'd been seduced by a war vet. Who announced? Who, when she announced that she was pregnant, he abandoned her. But some speculated in the family that Lloyd Marshall, which is Lu- Louise's mother that we know her as, so she takes on her second name, not her first name, so Mm-mm. not Eleanor, it's oh. Louise. So some spe- family members spe- speculate that her dad was his father. Oh, that would explain it. Well, apparently there was a DNA test done by a psychiatrist who claimed to was not a production of incest oh okay so that don't explain yeah. it so she tried to put ted up for adoption mm-hmm. because she didn't want him um but her parents said no her dad was like no you can bring him home he's coming home so after two months she goes and collects him and brings him home she, he says we'll bring this baby up we'll be his mum and dad you'll be his sister mm-hmm. so they moved in with him in philly and he was told that his grandparents were his mum and dad um, and he was raised to believe that his real, like his real mum, Louise, was his sister. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's implicated so <laughs> that <laughs> he was shown by his cousin, or that he had found. So there's different stories. The birth certificate in 1969 that called him a bastard. So he had to be about 13 when, yeah. he read, when he found that. It's quite an impressionable age, isn't yeah. it? Ted resented his mother for lying all those years when he found out. Anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and he found out by himself. He said he was such a... Sh- uh, it was said he was to show extremely chilling behaviour from the get-go. Mm. When he was three years old, he surrounded his Aunt Julia with knives while she was sleeping. Jesus Christ! Yes. That reminds me of the first awful <laughs> Halloween. It? Yeah. And that when she woke... Three years old, he's getting the knives out of the knife drawer and putting them on the bed. Miranda. Bloody hell. And when she's woken up, she saw Ted standing there, evilly smiling at her. It's Chucky. Right? (laughs) Yeah. How fucking petrifying. Wow. Yeah, and a neighbour of Ted's was quoted in saying that he was a bully and he liked to terrify people and to inflict pain and suffering upon people. Also, a fellow Boy Scout said Ted once hit him on the head with a stick. I don't know. Mm. That was just another import. But <laughs> yeah. He had a fondness of digging holes, putting stakes in them, and then covering them up. Right, okay. And at least one girl fell in and hurt a leg. Mm. So like bear traps? Yeah, sounds like baby traps or something. Yeah, he loved it. <clears throat> oh, Ted has said he's respected his grandfather and looked up to him. Right, so that's what he said in one interview. Mm. However, we know that he wasn't a great role model. We know he was violent to his wife, to his sisters, mm. slash mum, and aunt, and dog. He used to kick the dog. 
He used to swing neighbourhood cats around by their towels. Oh, my goodness. He was supposed to have thrown Julia, the auntie, down the stairs for oversleeping. So... What the hell is going on with this child? So, Ted's saying he's a great man. No, so... This, this is Ted's grandfather. Mm. So, but Ted's saying he's a great man mm. to one reporter, but we know he's not from all the other stories. Mm. Oh, this is the granddad that this behaves like this? This is the granddad who behaves like this, yeah. <laughs> the granddad's swinging a cat around yeah. by by the towel, yeah. Okay. His mother was timid and anxiety-ridden, and she suffered with agoraphobia. So it's guessed that he experienced abuse and extreme violence by his grandfather, but Ted ven- venomously <laughs> denies mm. this. But he definitely did witness abuse to the fe- all the females in his life. So far, can be accused to lead towards his violence towards women. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so he's denying it, saying, no, my grandfather was, or my what, dad, whatever he called him, was brilliant. Mm. He was my role model, but we know he did see this violence, and we know he did. He might not have been, apparently, there was another psychiatric saying, boys especially, if they're shown violence and watch violence, they're tending more to do it than actually experience abuse themselves. Mm. So if they're shown it, and been around it, which explains this in a way. I'm trying to make excuses, really. <coughs> so in 1950, when Ted was four, the mother took Ted and moved far away from the abuse and moved to Washington mm. because she just went, wasn't happy with the situation and she was like, no, let's get the boy out of here, let's go. Yeah, she wanted to be a mum to him, yeah. didn't she? Not pretend to be the sister anymore. Yeah. And while in Washington, she met a hospital cook by the name of Johnny Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Where the name comes that in. famous name, eh? Yep. So they had four children together, and Johnny tried in vain to include Ted in everything. All the activities, like they would go camping. Oh, excuse me. Bang the bike. They'd go camping, and they'd do stuff, and but Ted weren't having none of it. Oh, really? Yeah, he resented Johnny and told people that Johnny wasn't very bright, and he didn't make much, he didn't make much money. Oh. So he wasn't interested in no it. No respect for not, his stepdad. Not at all. So he was very materialistic and he daydreamed about being adopted by TV stars so that they could give him things that he actually wanted. Friends witnessed Ted winding up Johnny so badly that Johnny would then lash out and hit Ted. Hmm. So he became emotionally detached um, and play up to the fact that he was a Boy Scout. But Boy Scout, he was not. He was known to go down bins looking for pornography and going around the local neighbourhood looking for women undressing with their window like curtains open. Mm. And he also loved stories filled with gore, rape and murder. His mother thought he could do no wrong. However, and by now Ted became increasingly capable of hiding his true nature. Mm. So he was getting better and better at hiding Again, I've got another statement in here somewhere that will say something he comes out with and you can quite believe it. Yeah, he's getting more polished in that charm. Yes. The charm that he's so famous for. Yeah. So they would go to church regularly as well and a good church boy wouldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes, like we're in his teens now, so sometimes he would masturbate in school closets. Oh. Yeah. And when called, he was drenched in water by fellow classmates. He claimed he wasn't popular and was teased because he had a speech impediment. He states he was a loner and only went on one date. He had a few good friends and a few 
jobs like cutting lawns and delivering newspapers. He enjoyed skiing, but to go skiing, his petty crime would then come into play. So this is when he's just levelling up a bit now. Mm. He would nick ski equipment and forge ski lift tickets so he could do it because they didn't have the money to do it. He also tried to steal a car, but he wasn't very successful at it. So he may have killed a first victim at the age of 14, a young girl when she was eight years old and her name was Anne-Marie. It hasn't been proven and he has denied this, but he has. there are more victims. Mm. So it was around the same area. He didn't live far away. It had the same Bundy kind of MO about it, but mm. he's denied it. And they just can't prove that he did, but he speculated that at 14, that was his first victim. Blimey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this is it. So by this age, he couldn't understand teenage social behaviour, but became great at faking it. So he said, I I couldn't understand what their needs were, what their wants were, what their behaviour was at all. Mm. But he learnt to mimic people and learnt how to... Kind of go along with it. Yeah. Um, so, in 1966, at the age of 19, he went to uni and studied psychology. Psychological. I can't <laughs> say it. I'm so sorry. Psychology. That's the one. And Asian studies. He also worked as a suicide hotline. So, we was ironically <laughs> saving people at this time. Yeah. Fancy that. I know. I know. You couldn't make it up. No, you couldn't. So, around this time... Ted started to date a fellow student called Diane Edwards. She represented everything Ted aspired to be. She was from a wealthy family. She was a great dresser and a beautiful girl. She had long brown hair. Mm. She was his first sweetheart and he was completely smitten with her. And they were together for about two years. Um, But I think she started putting pressure on him and he was putting pressure on himself to be the person that he wanted to be and she needed him to be <coughs> and it just wasn't working so they broke up oh, so Diane had a lasting impact on Ted and it seemed to be believed she influenced the victims of Ted so they yeah. all had long dark hair didn't they yeah yeah. so after the breakup Bundy becomes depressed and drops out of university and around this time, he found out about his parentage. So he goes home and he finds this birth certificate or was given the birth certificate. Mm. And that's where he starts to become the monster we all know. He seems to have had a personality shift. He starts a new uni and becomes more sure of himself, more cocky, more Ted Bundy that we know, the charismatic guy. The, mm. Do you know what I mean? Cocksure guy. Yeah. He served on the Nelson Rockefeller presidential campaign in 1968 and on January the 4th, 1974, Ted made his first attempt at murder. He broke into a basement of a female student of the same uni. He hit her over the head and sexually assaulted her. But she survives. But she survives at a price. She has permanent brain damage. So yeah, that's leading up really. You might have found some other rods and sods. I was finding mm. stuff, disregarding it, finding more stuff, disregarding <laughs> it, because 
he would tell one thing and then completely change it. So it was mm-hmm. so hard to know what was truth and what wasn't. Well, I think he was living with a woman, wasn't he, called Liz? Okay. And she had, I think she had a daughter. That's right. Um, and he <clears> resented her for not being Diane, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure. He was with her on and off for all throughout this period. Mm-hmm. Um, which in, it does interest me. You find these cases of these like really sadistic serial killers, and they have like a wife and a kid at mm-hmm. home, uh, and then girlfriends on the side. And you think, well, how, what made them be choose to be a yeah. girlfriend? Like if you go and chat somebody up, mm-hmm. and then they become your girlfriend, or you chat somebody up and you end up, you know, murdering them. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand that I at all. I don't get it, no. It's so strange because he did, he cheated on Liz many, many times, but she was madly in love with him and she always took him back. Um, so, yeah, then um, in 1972, he's, at, he's in Washington. He just finished his psychology degree mm-hmm. and he was on the, um, he was working on the campaign to re-elect Governor Dan Evans. Right. He was on the Republican team. Um, once he'd completed his psychology degree, he got a job at Harborview Medical Health Centre, mm-hmm. which makes sense if he's just got a psychology degree. Yeah. But they didn't. he didn't last there very long. They let him go because they said he was emotionally unable to meet the needs of the patients. Sounds legit. Um, <laughs> he, gets back, so he gets back with Liz and she notices changes in, in him. And she also finds a pair of surgical gloves in his pocket. And around about this time, he is doing the night stalking thing that yeah. you are saying. Um, so he is escalating. He's, he's night stalking. Red flags everywhere. Yeah, but it's 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 building in his head this this need this mm-hmm. like urge, mm-hmm. and night stalking, peeping, tomming isn't actually cutting it anymore. So, like you say, January nineteen seventy four is when he uh, attacks um, Karen Sparks right. in her room. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like you say, he did intend to kill her, but she did survive. <clears throat> this this triggers him. There's no doubt about it. The frenzy that he goes on for the next few years, it, this is it, it's tipped him over the edge. He, he's obviously finally got what he's been dying dying for for all these years. We fact said this quite a few times. Yeah. The first one always survives. Yeah. And that just pushes it triggers it triggers oh, yeah, yeah over the edge. Doesn't it does. It? it just spills them over. Yeah. And they just go on a massive rampage. Mm-hmm. And and this is the biggest rampage I've ever seen. <laughs> it's incredible. How how busy this fellow is. I know. Um, so, yeah, this is on the 3rd of January, 1974. Mm-hmm. 21-year-old Linda Ann Healy, who's a student, um, she's just been uh, to a nightclub called Dante's. Um, at 20 past nine, she walks home. Mm-hmm. Um, she watched television. She found her boyfriend and she went to bed in her basement room. Yeah. Um she lived in she was a student and she lived in shared accommodation with some other girls and uh, apparently they were all like <laughs> you know youngsters like they kept forgetting their keys so they just left the door open most of the time so that people can come and go. Um and during that evening she vanished as she was never never seen again. Um her parents told the police but the police didn't really take it that seriously at first they just think oh you know she's a student she's probably just gone yeah. out blah blah. Um Later on that next night, the 4th, her, one of her roommates gets three silent phone calls and it, it, it puts the wind up her straight away. She tells the police, they come back, they start to take it more seriously. They suddenly realise that someone is, is stalking these women. They they really thoroughly search Linda's bedroom and they find blood stains on the mattress and that some of her clothes are missing. Oh, no. Yeah, so he's obviously probably 
blood bludgeoned into her in her bed, mm-hmm. grabbed some clothes and a night uh, like a dressing gown, yeah. <coughs> and carried her back to his car. Twelfth uh, of um, March seventy four. Yeah. This is all seventy four. Just to save saying it all the time. Donna Gail Manson. She's a nineteen year old student from Evergreen State College, Olympia. She's a bit of a party girl. She was also used to hitchhiking. Uh, she left her home to go to a jazz concert and she never arrived. Um, because she was such a party girl and she was constantly just flitting off here, there and everywhere, um, no one reported her missing for a week. Uh, one month later, there's Kathleen Clara uh, Do- Dolores. Do- Do- yeah. Oh, I can't pronounce it. Dolovio. Okay. Something like that, sorry. Um, anyway, so um, she's a student. She... Um, She's leaving the student library and she's in the car park when she sees a man who's struggling. She hears a noise and she turns around and this man is in the car park with her and he's uh, just dropped a load of his books um, because he's got his arm in a sling. Right. Uh, he, he looks like a fellow student. She, he's dressed like one. So she offers to help him. So she picks up the books and they walk over to his um, like, sort of light brown uh, Volkswagen Beetle and for some reason, she gets a feeling that she's in danger, so she she legs it. She just runs away, and she gets away. <coughs> Obviously, this is Ted Bundy. Uh, as as time goes on, you'll see this is an MO of his to pretend that he's disabled right. to get women to help him to do st- yeah. to go to his car. And um, so th- that's literally like his blood is up mm-hmm. massively. So later on that night, um, he meets eighteen-year-old student Suzanne. Susan Elaine Rancourt, mm-hmm. and she's never seen again. Oh no! Um, now it, it's when you look at these women, like you mentioned, they all have the long brown hair. They're all stunning. They're yeah. all very, they very beautiful women, and yeah, they they liken these women's appearances to his first love. Uh, during this period, Liz notices that his behaviour towards her was becoming more perverse. She doesn't like it. She notices that his personality is changing. Um, and also he's becoming more cold and cruel to her, towards her. For instance, one day they were out on the lake and um, he just pushed her into the freezing cold river. Oh, no. He just pushed her in. Uh, so she's that's the first time she's noticing the um, the serial killer side of he him. He does start to do it on her then, mm. really. Yeah, not obviously not too, not badly, but... There's, you know, if you're a boyfriend that you love and you've lived with mm-hmm. for ages, it just shoves shove you in a river, you've mm-hmm. got, you're going to be frightened, aren't you? Yeah. You'll think, oh, my God, this isn't normal. I was just trying to find a quote, um, and I can't find it, and he talks about his early years of killing. And he was like, oh, it was just friends. It was just here, there, and everywhere. He said, but I fine-tuned it, and I became a hunter. Like, he really bigs himself up, and oh. that's what you're explaining to me now. Like, yeah. it's all quite here, there, and everywhere, isn't it? Yes, that's true. It is. He hasn't fine-tuned it yet, no. but he's only about three women in. Yeah. Um, at this point, he started to skip work, um, and the police finally realise that they're looking for a serial killer. So there's a lot of heat where he's living, so he decides to move to Oregon. Oh, really? He's moved from Washington mm-hmm. State to Oregon State. Um So that was obviously in April that happened. Now we're on the fi- We're just the 6th of May. Um, a 21-year-old woman called Roberta Parks. Mm-hmm. She's an Oregon State University student. Yeah. She took a walk alone one evening and she was never seen again. Right. This is the thing. 
I suppose it took the place a while to cotton on because there weren't any bodies. No. This um, is what I was going to say to you. Like, that, then there's no bodies, is there? At first, yeah. There's no. They've all treated as um, missing person cases. But obviously, in the case of um, Linda, they checked her bed. They could see an assault had happened yeah. and that she'd been kidnapped. But they don't know whether she's alive or not. Yeah. Um, 31st of May 1974, a 22-year-old woman called Brenda Carroll Ball. Mm-hmm. She goes out for drinks with some friends. She's a college dropout, but she's a she's similar to the other girl. She's a party girl. She's always hitchhiking. Yeah. Um, the early hours of the 1st of June, she left the tavern. She couldn't get a lift home. Um, so she just left the tavern and she encountered Bundy somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. And was never seen again. And her disappearance wasn't reported until the 17th of June. So she was gone for over two weeks before anybody reported her missing. Um, In the meantime, he's (laughs) he's struck again. The 11th of June, 18-year-old Georgian Hawkins, Mm -hmm. who was um, also a university student. And the picture of her, she was a cheerleader. It's just tragic. These girls. I know they're women, but they're girls. They're just girls. They're... They're at the beginning of their lives. They're just... Oh, it's tragic. And she'd been to a frat party and she called in on her boyfriend on the walk home. Um, As she was walking back home... Now, she wasn't like these other girls. She was quite streetwise. She rarely walked her home on her own, so she wasn't really the sort of person that would just jump in and get mm-hmm. a lift with anybody. She was quite a cautious person, by all accounts. Um, She bumped into Ted Bundy and he was in a leg brace with crutches... Uh, he, he was yards away from where she lived and he was struggling with a briefcase so she agreed to, to help him back to his light brown um, beetle uh, she was kidnapped raped killed the whole shebang and apparently he hit her so hard he struck her so hard that her earrings flew out and she lost a shoe as well but then apparently the next morning he went back and retrieved them so he's quite cool calm and collected even though he knows he's left evidence he just fucks, goes back the next day and just picks them up yeah Gives no fucks. And like you say, by now he's feeling like he's refining it because mm-hmm. by now he's actually reveling in mm-hmm. the fear. He knows how much fear he's causing in that mm-hmm. community and he's loving it. Yep. He thinks he's the bee's knees. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Has he removed the door handle? What's the door handle? So in this beetle, he's, it's like a killing machine, this car. Oh, like the inside door handle. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't read anything about that. I don't know. Yeah, Did so he? What he does is he, he plays around with the passenger seat for mm. some reason quite a lot. So it'll either be... I think he removes it and puts it on the back seat Yeah. from time to time. And he also removes the passenger door handle so that they can't get out. Because yeah. I think he had one escape that way. Yeah, there is one, there is a woman who escapes, which yeah. we'll come to soon, actually. So yeah. I think he probably did it after that. After but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I did read that he took the back seat out so that there was more space. So once he'd sort of like bludgeoned them and mm-hmm. they were unconscious, he could lay them flat mm-hmm. so they wouldn't be seen. He thought of everything. He did. He really did. But, you know, no one's saying he was stupid, man. He was a bright man. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, anyway, this brings us up to um, the 14th of July, mm-hmm. 74, which was, like, the one that stuck in my mind, the, mm-hmm. be- the day that at the beach. That's when I say I would have carried that canoe. <laughs> You've heard me say that time yes. and time again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, love you. I know you would as well. I would have. Mm. Oh, Lauren. I probably would as well. You would? Yeah, I think I would. Oh, God, God. Because you wouldn't... You, I mean, it's like a boiling hot day. There's mm-hmm. hundreds of people. You wouldn't think you're in danger. No, not at all. But by now, like you say, he thinks he's invincible. He's got it down for a, to a fine tune now. And this proves he? that he is. Yeah. So just to tell you, listener, this is what he does on this day. He goes to a place... Uh, it's a beach at, a, at Lake Samarish park which is 20 miles east of seattle mm-hmm. it's a lovely warm day there's hundreds of people at this beach ted bundy's there and um with his beetle um and he's seen wandering around he's wearing um he's wearing a, he's looking very handsome that day he's wearing a lovely tennis outfit and he's also got a sling on his arm and he's wandering around it looks like he's looking for somebody mm-hmm. and by all accounts he spoke to five or six women mm-hmm. Before he spoke to 23-year-old Janice Ann Ott. Mm-hmm. Um, Janice, again, she's a stunner. She's fucking gorgeous, this woman. Absolutely beautiful. And obviously a kind-hearted person as well. Yeah. Uh, around about midday, he meets Janice and he asks her for help to uh, <laughs> to help move his boat. I'm guessing to attach to the back of his car. Yeah. And uh, Janice, being a sweetheart, agreed and was never seen again. Oh, no. Um, Nobody. Uh, no, uh, he drove off with her, and that was around about midday that day. Like I say, the, those women that he spoke to earlier on in the day had a lucky escape. Mm-hmm. This, this is this is the audacity of the fella. Four o'clock the same day, he goes back to the beach and repeats. Right, so again, he walks around the beach approaching women until at four thirty he encounters Denise Nasland, an eighteen-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, she's there with her friends. She's had a little bit to drink. She smoked a little bit of weed, so she's a little bit intoxicated. Mm-hmm. She pops to the bathroom. When she comes out the bathroom, she's seen speaking with Bundy, and that's the last time anyone ever sees her. Eighteen. Bloody hell! Ridiculous. Um, yeah. So he murders two women in one afternoon on a beach on in a front beach. of hundreds of people. I mean, what is this man's deal? He just seems to have the luck of the devil. Uh, September seventy-four. But I think by now he's thinking, oh, what is it? Where is, where is he? Can't think of the name of the place where he's gone. Oregon. He's getting too hot for him, so he moves over to Salt Lake City. 
University of Utah. And he, yeah, he enrolls in the University of Utah, which is law school. So he wants to do a law degree now. Uh, he leaves Liz behind. He, he moves. He moves over there alone. Liz, Liz, he leaves Liz behind, mm-hmm. and at this point, he starts dating Carol Ann Boone. Yeah. So you're like, why is Carol Ann Boone his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Why isn't she he over the head and murdered? Yeah, I, I know. just don't get it. No. Although to be honest, she doesn't look like the other victims. No. She looks really studious, doesn't she? Yeah. She wears right. glasses. Yeah. She's got. She hasn't got long, silky black hair. She looks older as well. Maybe she's more girlfriend material for yeah, him. That's what he wants. He just wants someone on his arm, sitting pretty, acting the part, being the part. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. what I think. He likes to control absolutely everything, doesn't he? This yeah, man? I think so. Uh, as he's driving to Salt Lake City to his new mm-hmm. life, he picks up a hitchhiker. And he kills her. He throws her body and her clothes in the river and he burns her ID. And she is her body's never found and she's never identified. So she's a Jane Doe. Jane Doe. I don't know how they know this. I'm guessing he confessed to it. Oh, yeah, he's all talk, no trousers. Mm. So, 31st, um, th- no, sorry, the 3rd, 3rd of September, mm-hmm. 74, he arrives in Utah. On the 8th of September, two bodies are found, Janice and uh, Denise, I think the two girls from oh, the beach, wow. and a third set of bones. They're discovered by a hunter less than 10 miles from the beach. Wow. It confirms the worst fears that, that it is murder. It's not just kidnapping. But then now the police in all these three states know mm-hmm. that they're after a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, in the meantime, he enrolls at uni, but he doesn't settle into he doesn't settle into university. Mm-hmm. The law degree he finds the lessons incomprehensible and thoroughly disappointing. But I think later on, when he's um, in court, he yeah. represents himself, oh, yeah. doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, so, he went to law school. Yeah, he yeah. went to law school. So he must have took some of it in, I suppose. He don't, know, cause he just he's so important, self, he's full of self-importance, mm. and he thinks he's better than these law students. He thinks he's better than the uh, the professor. Yeah. In his head, he's better than all of these. Yeah. He probably they're, thinks they're he's better than his defence team. Anything that he don't know, but he's dog shit at it. Like when I get to it. <laughs> Honestly, he's dog shit at it. Can't wait. Uh, This is another period of rampage for him. So between the 20th of September and the 8th of November, there are four victims. What's that, in five or six weeks? Yeah. 2nd of October, 74. 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox. Yeah, she looks 16 as well, doesn't she? Yeah. She looks young. She, uh, She lived in a suburb in Salt Lake City. He dragged her into a nearby wooded area, killed her, buried her 200 miles away in near Capitol Re National Park. And her body was never found. But he did admit that he killed her. Um, 18th of October, we have 17-year-old Melissa Smith. She left a pizza parlour. Her body was found seven days later in a mountainous area nearby. Oh, God. Um... I mean, the way he's killing these women as well, he's mm-hmm. he's bludgeoning them until they're unconscious, mm-hmm. then he's sexually assaulting them in a, a very bad way, like mm-hmm. a really horrific way, and then he's usually strangling them using yeah. um, tights, mm-hmm. pantyhose, they say in America, don't they? Mm-hmm. Two weeks after Melissa Smith, there's 17-year-old Lehigh Aim. She went missing, and her body was found nine miles away. Both the girls have been... Uh, beaten, raped and strangled with nylon stockings um, it was thought likely he'd kept these two girls alive for a while probably kept them unconscious but kept them alive to right. be yeah doing whatever it is that he felt the need to do before yeah. he killed them and then dumped them um, 
yeah so he'd probably take them back to his apartment they there were some funny things with some of these women i think it was these two where when they were found it looked like their bodies had been washed and redressed and they'd had makeup and nail varnish put back on them what the fuck oh this fella, he just gets creepier by oh, the day, he does. doesn't he? He does. Oh, such Luther vibes, isn't it? All that like... Yes, oh, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. It's just double creepy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, he's got a girlfriend and a bit on the side as mm-hmm. well. He's just mad. Um, 17-year-old Deborah Kent was a student at Viewmont High School. Um, oh, sorry, let's go to this lady first. This is a good one. So, 18-year-old telephonist, Carol Durant, mm-hmm. she's a really important witness. Mm-hmm. He posed as a policeman and she got into his car, but she fought him off. Right, this so I think this leads us to the um, door handles, yep. yeah. And she's so, mentioned in mine quite a lot as well. Yeah, because yeah. she is, isn't yeah. she, in the court? Yep. So, she said she managed to fight him off and get away when he was fumbling around with the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. So, I believe that she must have got out of the car wearing the handcuffs still because... Um, later on he attended the school concert there was a school concert at um, Viewmont High School and he was just on the lookout for any strays do you know what I mean you can just imagine him just prowling around lots of people noticed him just walking around this handsome man just walking around not really doing anything Um, anyway yeah so like I mentioned 17 year old Deborah Kent was a student at the mm-hmm. high school she's there with her mum and dad she had to go and pick her brother up so mm-hmm. she left the concert alone early and in the car park he abducted Deborah, and um, he made her unconscious and he put her in the car and then he returned to the concert to, to allay you know yeah. to make himself not look guilty yeah her body was never found god but when they were investigating her disappearance and her abduction, mm-hmm. they found the key to the handcuffs. Oh, did they? Yes, to Carol DeRock's handcuffs. Nice. So there we are. They know that this fellow is literally stalking yeah. women and, yeah, he's really dangerous. Yeah. Uh, in the meanwhile, Liz contacts the police about him. She says, I think this is the man you're looking for, Ted mm-hmm. Bundy. I'm pretty sure it's him. Mm-hmm. I think she phones them about three times all in all and yeah. they don't... They've got a lot of suspects, but mm-hmm. they don't act on it. They look. I think they look at him and they think, it can't be him. He's very well educated. He's handsome. Yeah. He's articulate. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't go to the top of the pole like he should do. No. They just, he just doesn't fit the part, does he? He no, really he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. His face really doesn't. Uh, by 1975, suspicion is growing where he lives again. So mm-hmm. he moves on to Colorado to blend in with the skiing community. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned in his earlier life, he was uh, good at skiing, wasn't yeah. he? He'd done skiing. So he's gone there. Blending in with the skiing community. Oh, this this one freaked me out, to be honest. Um, sorry, it's not this one, it's the next one. So, we've got January 1975. Mm-hmm. Karen Eileen Campbell, 23-year-old nurse. She arrives at Wildwood Inn in Aspen with her boyfriend, Raymond. Oh, yeah, it is this, it is this girl. Um, so, they're on, they're on holiday. Her boyfriend's got a couple of kids. So, there's all four of them. They're on holiday yeah. having a nice time skiing, blah, blah, blah. I think, actually, he's on a business trip, so she spends the days skiing with the kids and looking after them. On the evening of the 12th of January, uh, they're all in the lobby, the family, and she pops upstairs to grab a magazine. Uh, As she gets out of the lift, Bundy abducts her, (gasps) and her naked body is found in the snow two and a half miles away a month later. Oh, no. Uh, In the meantime, Bundy returns back to his law studies in Utah. 
I mean, that's terrifying. Any She's, you f- I mean, wouldn't you feel... I'm thinking that next time I go and stay in a hotel, I'm going to be scared to go anywhere mm-hmm. alone because that happens. Yeah. I didn't think that would ever happen. Yeah. I thought you'd be safe if you are in a hotel with your boyfriend and your kids. Mm-hmm. Shit me up, I tell I you. It's awful, isn't it? It's really scary. Just how these people think. I mean, the audacity of him. Mm-hmm. He must have felt invincible. That's what I said. He's so cocksure by now, Kaz. He's got good reason to be. Look at the crime that he's getting away with. Yeah. Yeah. 1st of March, uh, two forestry students discover the heads of Linda Healy, uh, Catherine Parks, Susan Rankle and Brenda Bourne. All the upper teeth were missing from Cathy's head. Mm. Uh, the hair from Susan's head was detached from her head. And part of Brenda's skull was missing. Oh, God. Uh, it's just the heads, not the rest of the bodies. It's just the oh heads. Fifteenth no. um, of March, he headed to Colorado, mm-hmm. um, Vale, and he met twenty-six-year-old Julie Cunningham, who's a ski instructor. Mm-hmm. This woman is like a model. She's ridiculously beautiful. I mean, they're all beautiful, but this yeah. woman stood out. She was gorgeous, and obviously a ski instructor, so she would have been really fit yeah. and just. I just think like he must have literally just hit him over the head the second they got near him because otherwise you they would have been able to fight back wouldn't yeah. they because yeah. they're like 26 years old and she's getting struck she's going to be really fit and healthy and strong mm-hmm. um so yeah she was walking to meet some friends julie cunningham and she spotted him he's on crutches and struggling to get his skis in his car because he's on crutches so she pops over to help him and he bludgeon bludgeons her straight away yeah yeah and um he returns to her many times before burying her so, her body was never found, so I'm guessing he's just admitted this. Cool. So, he bludgeons her to death. Obviously, he rapes her, and but before he buries her, he pops back to continue raping her. Yeah, raping yeah. her post-mortem. It's just gross, isn't it? I know. Uh, 6th of April, 24-year-old Denise Oliverson, he killed her, and he threw her in the river, and she's been never been found, her, although her bike and her sandals were found nearby. Uh, beginning of May, he headed to a holiday in in uh, in idaho mm-hmm. near near idaho university and for once someone's actually spotted him so he's attempting to enter the girls dormitory at the university and then male security guards like collared him and gone like show me your id what you're doing Good. and he couldn't and he fucked off unfortunately he fucked off and he um he talked to 12 year old lynette culver to get oh, into no. his car he took her back to holiday and he drowned him in the bathtub <gasps> He obviously uh, raped her and killed her. Oh, no. And f- then he threw her body in the river. Jesus Christ. Um, on the uh, 27th of June, he met Susan Curtis. Her body was never recovered. Oh, no. Uh, 16th of August. Uh, he was parked and he saw some police and he mm-hmm. drove off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police obviously chased him and they... Finally apprehended yeah. him. And over to you, Lauren, to explain to our listeners what they found in that fucking car. So, yeah, <laughs> it's August the 16th and he's driving around a residential area, scoping it out about 3am. And he's in famous Beetle. Yeah. So he was stopped by a Utah Highway Patrol officer named Bob Taywell. Haywood. Bob noticed some, the strange state of the car first. So this is what's first drawn his attention. So you know when they say, oh, can you pull over? Can I see your licence plate registration and all that? So he noticed the front seat was in the back, on the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So he's like, something's definitely not right. Mm. So he's then decided to search the car and to find a ski mask, a crowbar, a second mask made from tights, bin bags, ropes, handcuffs, an ice pick, and other murder mem- other like murder bits. Really. Mur- murder bag, I've got yeah, the mur- other. Yeah. Murder bag. Yeah. <laughs> so Ted tries to talk his way out because he thinks he's so big, so clever, so mm. charming. And he says that the um, ski mask was for skiing. Mm-hmm. He found the handcuffs in a bin. <laughs> yeah. And the other bits were just household items. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's just stuff that you have in your household. Mm. Like rope and stuff like that. But altogether, mm. so bloody suspicious. Come on, Ted. Like You wouldn't have an ice pick in your car. Why the fuck would you have but, an ice pick in your car? But it's household items. That's what he's blaming it on. <laughs> this held no way. And Bob was having none of it. He just weren't having none of it. So this then led to a search of his apartment. And they found the following items in this apartment. A guide on Colorado ski resorts. Mm-hmm. With a tick by Wildwood Inn. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a brochure to Vermont High School play. Mm. In, what's it called? Bontiful. I'm not sure. Where. But yeah, it was where the, where the concert yeah. was taking place, wasn't yeah. it? And he abducted that young yeah. 16-year-old. The blade, but the police couldn't detain Bundy due to insufficient evidence. But they knew that I think they know by mm. now they've got their guy. So he was released, and Buddy Lake gleefully said that the search had missed Polaroid, Polaroid photos of all his victims. Oh my god, really? Yeah, where was that in his flat? In his apartment, yeah. Oh. So as soon as he's released, he goes home and burns all the photos. Oh, what a silly thing to do. Let him re- release him before you've exactly. examined his How annoying flat. is that? Mm. So this gets really annoying and frustrating for you, Kaz. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so the Salt Lake City then put Bundy on a 24-hour surveillance. And in September, Ted sells his infamous beetle to a teenager, which the Utah police impound and call the FBI over to dismantle it. They search it. They found hair samples that match ones found on Campbell's body. And also hair strands of Smith and Darach. Mm-hmm. Second um, of October, detectives, oh god, put Ted Bundy in a lineup, and Darach IDs him straight away. Good on her. Yeah. Um. And witnesses from the school play recognise him as well oh, as good. a stranger. Yeah. So he was then charged pending sentences, sentencing on the kidnap, kidnap of Roch. However, he was bailed out by his parents for $15,000. Mm-hmm. He was still on surveillance, but he's now obviously on bail. The police agreed that they needed more evidence before he could be charged with any murders, but they know they've got their guy. So he still trial for the kidnapping of Darush in February 1976 and he waives his right to a jury due to the negative publicity of the case. So they're, they're now, the journalists are getting involved. He's really being put on the light. Like, everyone knows him. Mm. So you cannot be a juror and not know about this guy. Yeah. You can't. So he's thinking, fuck that. I don't want that. Mm. I'd rather not have that. So, um, sorry, I've 
So after four days, he was found guilty of kidnapping and assault and he was sentenced to one to 15 years in Utah State Prison. So that's him for there. So he goes into prison and he was found with an escape kit. He missed the escape <laughs> kit. He likes a kit, doesn't he? Yeah. Was it maps, um, airplane schedules, like when they taking off and where they were going, and a social security card. And he was sent found hiding in the bushes and he was sent to solitary confinement for like because they knew he was trying to escape Mm. so later he was charged with Campbell's murder and he was transferred to Aspen in 1977 to a preliminary hearing he had elected to serve as his own attorney (laughs) but they were saying don't do it but as I said he's the big I am Mm. he thinks no one can tell me I can do this and this that and the other and they're saying if you take a plea bargain, but he won't have it because it's mm. under his world rules, he doesn't want to admit to the world what a monster he is, so yeah. he's not going to. Mm. So he's thinking, I can charm the birds out of the trees, I can charm all these jurors, I'm not doing it. So, but he's done it cleverly, and you're going to go f- mental when you hear this. So because he was his own attorney, it meant that he was excused from wearing handcuffs and leg shackles. <laughs> <laughs> so he pretends he really needs to make this important phone call and hides from the guard's view behind a bookcase, opens a window and jumps out from a second-story building. <laughs> Imagine it. But he hurts his leg. He does hurt his leg and he just fucking runs and he runs and runs and runs. And he's taking off clothes as he's running so <laughs> they can't recognise, obviously, it's him. Um, And he goes past the roadblocks and all that because they know he's not there they was all being set out but he's managed to maneuver around them and that <laughs> and he's retreated into the mountains he stole food and clothing and a rifle from a cabin that he found in the right at the top of the mountain wow and continued to head south so he becomes lost in the forest and he's unsure where he's cut where he's going and he's coming quite desperate mm. It's becoming clear he ended up walking the wrong way and he was walking back towards Aspen mm. where he stole a car and after a lack of food, sleep and a leg injury, he drove back to Aspen, unintentional because obviously you would go the opposite way but yeah. I think he, he just lost all sense after that got much lost. time. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got hardly any food, he's freezing cold, he's got no clothing, no mm. sleep. He, that, you know that's a torture thingy do you know what mm-hmm. i mean you can see why so um yeah he drives back into Aspen where he's noticed by two police officers and was pulled in he was a fugitive so it lasted all of six days so he'd mm-hmm. done quite well yeah so things that they found in the car they begin to realize that this has been planned all along and not spontaneous so they found the maps they found basically the escape kit 2.0 you know yeah <laughs> So back in jail, he's fixated now on escaping. Mm. He's like, fuck this, I'm going to get pinned for every other murder now. Now they've got me, they're going to get me for everything. So he, he's just helping on planning a new escape event. No, a new escape plan. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like escape rooms and all that, I think. <laughs> so from that moment on, he starts, he's decided he's got to lose weight. Mm-hmm. The reason he's got to lose weight is because he's going to saw a hole one square foot between the steel 
reinforcement bars in the ceiling. So he's losing weight. He saved $500 in cash that's been smuggled into him by, yeah. what's the woman's name? Oh, Carol something. Yes, her. Mm. Um, and then he manages somehow to uh, bargain his way for the floor plans of the um, prison. How does he manage? He's a bit like the serpent, isn't he? He is. So he was able to wriggle through and use the crawl sprays above. So this happens on the 30th of December. He puts books in his bed to look like he's laying there sleeping to fool the guards. <laughs> he uses the crawl space to get to the chief jailer's apartment. And he wasn't working at that time. He was on a date or he was out with his wife. He was like skeleton staff on at the time. Oh, okay. So he uses his closet to change clothes. So he's put the jailer's, chief jailer's clothes on. You know what the fucking man did? Walked out the front door. Just walked out the front door. Kaz. That's crazy. Do you not think that's bad? So then he stole a car. And as Freedom was coming closer and closer, and he was driving further and further away from the prison, the car breaks down. (laughs) But a passing car gives him a lift to Val, 60 miles away. He then catches a bus to Denver, catching Mm -hmm. a flight to Chicago, Back in Glenwood Prison, they didn't even know he was missing until the next day at noon. Blimey. So he had such a head start. Yeah, massive head. So he's gone from... So he's got a lift to Val. He catches a bus to Denver. Catches a flight to Chicago. That's where he's got, yeah. So from here, Ted then goes to Michigan five days later. And he steals a car and drives to Atlanta where he builds another bus to Tallahassee, Florida. Why is no one recognising him? I know. <laughs> and look at the... F- he's getting just further and further away. He, and he's a massive manhunt. Yeah. He must be on the most wanted list, really. Mustn't he? Yeah, he's definitely on the most wanted list. Exactly. He's a, he is, um, yeah, definitely. So he's in Tallahassee, and well, after being there for a week, he ke- reckons that he could have could easily kept hidden from the police if he had the means to do so. And not draw the police's attention. So if he didn't have to steal big borrow, <coughs> he had the money and he had the set up, he could have easily just evaded them for the rest of his life. That's mm. what he reckons and claims because he's so brilliant, you know. So, yeah. Um, however, he needs to start. His needs start to grow again and he starts to steal again. So he starts getting that indication that he needs something more than <coughs> just being on the run. It's not cutting it anymore. So mm. I'm going to leave you, lead it back to you, Kaz. Yeah, he, um, just what you mentioned, he's on the FBI's te- 10 most wanted list. Oh, he was? Yeah. I thought that. He, he must have been at the top, I would have thought. Um, but yeah, it was Caroline, <coughs> uh, bless you. Thank you. Yeah. It was Caroline Boone was his girlfriend who smuggled the hacksaw in, wasn't it? Probably smuggled all the money yeah. in as well. Oh yeah. So yeah, so he um he heads down to Florida mm-hmm. where uh, this is on the fifteenth of January nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. And he breaks into the Tri Amiga sobriety house and he goes fucking batshit crazy for fifteen minutes. He attacks and kills all of the women in the house. Oh so so he first of all he starts with twenty one year old Margaret Bowman mm-hmm. who's just at home he bludgeons her rapes her kills her 
Then he goes to 20-year-old Lisa Levy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beat her unconscious and rapes her. Kathy Kleiner. Uh, he broke her jaw. He hit her so hard. And Karen Chandler. He also beat her up as well. Uh, this was during like a 15-minute frenzied attack. He Jesus just goes mental Christ. on these women. It's terrifying. You think... Again, it's like... When you think you're safe, you're at home with three of your friends. Mm-hmm. You never dream that you was in any peril. This is the one that scares me the most, this murder. Yeah, me too, actually, yeah. And, and the one on the beach. And it was recreated, wasn't it, in American, American Horror, Horror Story. Horror, yeah, and mm. I, yeah, it just freaks me the fuck out. I don't like it. I know. I don't and, like unless it. in American Horror Story, you just think, oh, someone's made it up. But this yeah. actually happened. Yeah. And, I, I mean, like it. wow, it's, it's really does make you, it shifts the world from under your feet. It does. From what you think you know, you like suddenly mm-hmm. read that and you think, oh, I don't know shit really. Yeah, I think his name was the campus killer, but mm. this is more just than just that, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, yeah. It's, well, he, he did always go, seemed to again. always go for um, students, didn't mm-hmm. he? He was always on the campuses apart from the youngsters. Yeah. Um, and then after he left the sorority house, he broke into an apartment eight blocks away and he attacked student Cheryl Thomas. And she uh, she did survive, but she had appalling head injuries and she had uh, suffered permanent deafness in oh. the wake of the attack. Um, the police gathered evidence on her bed and they matched it to Bundy, so they knew straight away. Yeah, yeah. They knew it was him. Um, during this period, when he's on the run, he used an alias of Chris Hagen, mm-hmm. and he was just living on stolen credit cards. Um, quite near the Florida State University. Um, he stole a van and he drove 100 miles to Jacksonville and it, where he approached 14-year-old Leslie Parmenter in a car park. Thank God her brother, her big brother came along and scared him off. Good. But then he just drove 60 miles up to uh, mm. Lake City and he uh, encountered 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. Oh, no. uh, she was missing from her school for seven weeks before her remains were found, 35 miles away. So um, now he's also... <laughs> paedophile yeah as well as a mm-hmm. murderer and rapist um he stole he'd stolen a car and he was apprehended by a policeman called david lee mm-hmm. uh david lee didn't realize who he'd called <laughs> i think um day um bundy used disguises quite a lot didn't he especially when he was on the run mm-hmm. have you got that yeah yeah is this is the 15th of feb um yeah so this yeah. is when he's picked up yeah um, yeah, so do you want to take it from here? Yeah, all right then. So on the 15th of Feb, Ted Bundy was stopped by police yet again. About one o'clock. So the vehicle check on the, like, when he stopped him, showed the beetle he was driving was reportedly stolen. Oh, right, yeah. He then panicked, kicked the police officer's feet from under him mm. and ran in the other direction. Oh. Yeah, shit yourself. So the officer shot two warning shots and then gave chase. They ended up wrestling on the floor and struggling for the gun before the officer overpowered Ted and arrested him. In the stolen vehicle, there was plenty of evidence like ID cows for all the female students, 21 stolen credit cards and a stolen TV set. I don't know what that adds to it. (laughs) Stolen TV set. (laughs) Yeah. So the officer took... Ted to jail and he was unaware at the time who he had in his clutches. Ted stood trial at the for the Tri Omega murders and assaults in June nineteen seventy nine. Mm. So Ted again handled most of his defence. Yeah. Because he wanted to be in charge and because of this and his cocky persona, 
he wouldn't agree to the plea bargain. He wouldn't admit, didn't want to, same as what I said to you before, just weren't having none of it. So he was convicted of the Bowman and Levy murders. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mm. Three counts of attempted first-degree murder and two counts of burglary. He was given the death sentence in July 24th, 1979. Six months later, on a second trial took place in Florida for the kidnap and murder of Leach. He was found guilty again and then tried to steer the whole trial his way by asking Boone to marry him during um, a character witness ter- testimony against him. Yeah, he'd found a legal loophole yeah, in legal Florida loophole. law. Yeah. In it, honestly, what is about with him? Just to show off, I think, don't you? Mm. He reminds me of like a circus, you know. Um, what's the name? Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's he's like a showman. A sh- yeah, he yeah. is. All for show. Yeah. So this is where she agrees, and then he declares to the court that they were legally married. Mm. So in October nineteen eighty-one, Boone gives birth to a daughter, Rose, and t- Ted Bundy was named as the father. However. Mm. The prison doesn't allow conjugational visits. Right. But it's known that if they were bribed, they would allow it. Yeah, they turn a blind eye. Yeah. Mm. But, what, lock them in a closet for five minutes? <laughs> what was going on there? I think she said they used to sneak off in the bathroom. Okay. So shortly after the trial, Bund- oh, sorry, Bundy gave a very infamous interview with Stephen Mitchard called the Ted Bundy Tapes. Oh, okay. Is that what that Netflix series was all yeah. about? Mm. Yeah. So this is where most of it come out. But I must say, I don't know how true it is because he's mm. so known to change stories and that throughout his whole life. Mm. Um, but he talks to himself about as the third person. Oh, I can't stand that. Yeah. But he does finally start to admit to his crimes, which he's never done before. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to admit to it. He didn't want the world to see him as this mud, mud, uh, monster. 
So he starts to admit to it. And in July 1984, it seemed that there may have been another attempt to escape. <laughs> really? So the guards, Not surprised. Oh, so the guards call a saw in his prison room. How the fuck's he got a saw? And he was sawing away at the bars on the window. <laughs> Did you say at the beginning of the show that Prison Break was inspired by him? No, that was <laughs> D.B. Cooper. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, but him, I yeah. think he should have been as well. Oh, yeah, him and the serpent together. Could you imagine? Yeah. But, yeah, they clocked on and gave him a new cell. Yeah. I was like, no, thank you. Get in that cell. So, here we go. So, Bundy was executed by the electric chair at 17 7 16 a.m est on january the 24th 1989 his last words was jim and fred i'd like you to give my love to my family and friends hmm. hundreds of people sung danced and set off fireworks outside the prisons and was heard cheering at the time of the execution good riddance to bad rubbish mm. yeah a bit of closure for the family's victims. That was a wild one. Mm. I've got some quotes here from him, and you've got some fun facts, right? I wouldn't call them fun, but they're no. definitely facts. I'd say freaky facts. Freaky facts, right. <laughs> so, one of his quotes. We serial killers are your sons. We are your husbands. We are everywhere. Fucking hell. And there will be more of your children dead by tomorrow. <gasps> When did he say that in court? Uh, on the tape. I bet it was on the tape. Oh, it's on the so I'm thinking it. Sorry, it makes me so bad. <laughs> One minute, I'm trying to find... Um, I am the most cold-hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet. Yeah, he's just a not good guy, is he? What facts you got for us? One of them, where do you think you're going? That's a bit near the mark, isn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, I've got. Uh, it's 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 more like details of the um, of what he did to the women. Okay. So. Here's one. Society wants us to believe it can be ident- like believe that it can identify evil people or g- good or bad people or harmful people, but it's not practical. There are no stereotypes, and he is proof of that, isn't he? Really is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, I think it, he admitted to uh, eating some of the women. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he would, hmm. once he di- dumped the bodies, he would return to them many times to continue to sexually violate the corpses. Oh. And I think you've mentioned this before on a podcast, but he kept the heads for, for to do oral sex on himself. No, that's another one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well. He's, he's done this as well. Dirty bastard. Yeah, so he would he would horrifically have sex with his victims' beheaded corpses. Also, he'd have sex with the corpses, but he definitely um, he kept the heads for that as well. Oh no! Do yeah, you think that's why the teeth was missing. Yeah, I think that I, I, that's what I thought when I read it. To be honest, he decapitated at least twelve of his victims and kept their severed heads as walked reminders of their deaths. Such an um, When asked why he cl- collected his six souvenirs, he responded with, when you work hard to do something right, you don't want to forget it. He bit the victims. So this this was one of the pieces of evidence that helped to convict him because they took a uh, cast of his like, bite mm-hmm. and compared it to bite marks mm-hmm. on, um, I think it was uh, Lisa Levy. 
he ripped someone's nipple he off. nearly he nearly tore the nipple off of her <clears throat> yeah that makes me go cold. So they took a mould of his te- crooked teeth, which matched the pr- the teeth impressions that were left on Lisa's body. And these were shown at his trial and they helped to convict him. Oh, fucking hell. So, uh, mm, yeah. Not a nice guy. Absolutely not. He was, con- he, was uh, he confessed to killing 36 women, which is just so many. So many. And it's so hard to get them all out and just get the depravity out as mm. well because... We don't like talking about it, do we? We don't like... Yeah. It's no, just awful. Absolutely awful. But yeah, we have covered it. And yep. we've got to the end. And now we can get to the fun bit. Let's do it. Six degrees of KB. <laughs> Our resident other host that doesn't know that we exist, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a shame, really. He's missing out on all the fun. So, every week at the end of our show, Lauren and I play a little game called Six Degrees of Separation to Kevin Bacon, where we try and link the subject of our um, episode this week to the lovely actor Kevin Bacon. It's a bit of a game we play. So, do you want to go first or shall I go first? You go first. All right. Um, It's quite short for me, actually. Go on. Um, so, from Ted Bundy, I went with the film Silence of the Lambs because they used Ted Bundy as a bit of um, an inspiration for... Oh, yeah. So, I don't know if you remember, but that's how Buffalo Bill gets his victim in the van. He pretends that he's a bit disabled and he needs help, like, yes. having the chair in the back yes. of the van, do you remember? Yeah. And he goes, um, oh, can you help me push it right to the back? And then he yeah. bludgeons her and kidnaps yeah. her. So, yes, yeah, so I went with Silence of the Lambs. That was a film starring Jodie Foster. Who's in the film called Summersby mm-hmm. with uh, Richard Gere? Richard Gere starred, uh, was a star of Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts. Um, and back in the 90s, I think she dated Jason Patrick, who is in Sleepers with Kimmy Bacon. Yeah, well done. But yeah, quite a quick one for me, actually. That was very good. Well <laughs> Thanks. I've gone so generic, it's untrue. Have you gone Zac Efron? Maybe. Because <laughs> I was going to, and I thought, I reckon Layla. Uh, why don't we, Layla? I reckon Laura will. Yeah, no. I have. I've gone for Zach because it's the obvious choice. I always go for the obvious choice. He stars in a film. What is that film called? That that uh, Ted Bundy Zac Efron film. I oh was trying God. to watch it the other day, but you have to pay for it, so I didn't bother. But I might. I, think I might splash out Evil. and buy it. It is something like that, isn't it? Something like that. Go and read it out, and yeah, I'll um, so I'll have a look. Zac Efron in the Lorex. Oh, okay. With Stephen Tubulewski. Tubulewski. Tubulew. And he was in Murder in the First with Kevin Bacon. It was called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. What a funny name for a film. I know. But I agree to all them names. Yeah, me too. Good. It's a good name. Just it is weird. a very good name. It is a strange name, but it is a good name. <laughs> I agree to it all. I concur. <laughs> You're funny. It's just, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, well done. Thanks, babe. That was a good one on your six degrees there. Nice uh, and quick. Yeah. Bam, bam. Got, thank you, man. Got ma'am. straight there, straight to the point. And um, do you know what? That was one hell of a case. What I a can't ride. believe I'd never read anything about Ted Bundy before because, wow. What a ride. What a ride. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do a fraction of that case and still have a whole podcast. Yeah, and for it to go on. I don't know, because it's half spray, half cereal, yeah. isn't it? Because it's not yeah. in a great time frame. No. Unless he did start killing from the age of 14, which we was unsure of. Yeah, there's no way of knowing, is there? No. But 
I don't know. I expect he probably would have said. It, it did look like well, that first at, one. Yeah. He hinted at, yeah, from the age of 14, didn't mm. he? Yeah. Fucker. Yeah, I know, but um, but it was really, it was a very interesting case because there's so much to it, and mm-hmm. because there's so many victims, unfortunately, we, we weren't able to really discuss what they were like and their lives and things like that, no. which is what we usually quite like to do. Um, so it. yeah, sorry about that, but there just isn't time. No, we just hope we've done it justice as well because yeah. it's so big. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many contradictions. There's, so yeah, hopefully. so many, uh, so many contradictions. Yeah. So many victims. So many um, states and countries and cities escapes. and universities escapes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so thank you, thank you very much for listening, thank and you. Um, we really fully appreciate it. I think that we've come to the end of series two. Yep, by now. Woohoo, this is our finale. Yeah, so that was our that was our Sayonara, finale episode. Bitches. And um we will see you on the other side. See you then. Bye, take care. Take care.